Welcome to the Sharing Life Ministries Sermon of the Week. We hope that you were blessed by this message from Pastor Lawrence Romali. Holy Spirit, I just ask your presence to come. I just feel such a, maybe it's just me, but I just feel such a stretch, such a pull here this morning, just such even a resistance, God. And I just break down every hindering spirit and bind it up in the name of Jesus. And I ask the Holy Spirit to come in love, come in power, come and bring out the, the humility in our hearts, the brokenness in our hearts that needs to come, God, that we can receive your word, that we can receive your spirit, that we can receive your love. God, we've come waiting for you this morning, waiting for your presence. I just ask Jesus that you would show up. You would show up through the word this morning. Give us a deposit of yourself, what I love to call Jesus in skin, something that's real, something that's transferable, something that we can hold on to. Give us a deposit of yourself, Jesus, that we might run forward, releasing life into the earth for your kingdom glory, God. Thank you for the man that you have brought to this life center to bring the word. I thank you for his pursuit of you, Jesus. I thank you for his heart for people. I thank you for the ability you've given him as a leader, God. Increase all those, Lord, as we move forward in what you want and what you have for this work in this community in this hour. We love you, Lord Jesus. Come, come. This is your temple. Come, we are your people. Amen. Good morning, church. Good morning. It is a, uh, it's interesting interesting that we're kind of dealing with an air conditioning issue today as we celebrate the fire coming down (laughs) right might as well sweat and you know it's interesting how distracted we can be by that we're so used to being comfortable so used to being comfortable that something like the air conditioning can totally mess up our whole experience of worship. But if it's not the air conditioning, it's the traffic going by or the text messages on our phone or the rumbling in our stomach or something. And we have to be intentional and disciplined to fight through that stuff. Just have to learn to do it. And it's not easy. It's not easy for me. It's not easy for anybody. We have to fight through it. We have to say that, stomach, (laughs) you need to submit. Because I'm having my quiet time now. Or I'm in the Word now. Or I'm spending time in prayer now. Phone, you need to 
shut off. Air conditioning, I'm not even going to notice it. Jesus suffered. He wasn't just uncomfortable. He suffered. And he was not distracted from what the Father called him to. So let's pray. Father God, I just ask that you would grow us in our discipline, grow us in our intentionality, grow us in our focus on you, that we would love you more than comfort, that we would love you more than air conditioning, that we would love you more than food, that we would love you more than, than our phones. that you would truly be the focus of our lives and that we would endure anything to sit at your feet. So, Lord, sharpen our attention right now. Give us ears to hear, a heart to receive what you have. We thank you, we praise you that you never, Lord Jesus, you never were distracted. But you had your eyes on the cross. And that's where you went because of your love for us. Amen. You know, and speaking of God's love for us, the video we saw at the beginning, if you're watching on Facebook, they didn't see the video, did they? No. Well, if you're watching on Facebook, you're probably sitting in a nice, cool place. So it's a trade-off, right? <laughs> we wish you were here. But we saw a video of when Jordan came home from the Marine Corps. His parents hadn't seen him for how long? Since November. And the joy of his mom and dad running down the driveway to greet their son, who is coming home. The love. You could see the love in that video. And think of how much more the Father loves you and I. That he calls us and draws us. And when we finally give up and we finally submit and we finally stop rebelling and we turn to him and he comes running after us. And that video made us all cry made us all cry because we could share in Craig and Kim's love, joy in seeing their son. How much more does the Father desire us? Today's Pentecost Sunday, and I want to look at why this day is important, what it means for us as believers in Christ, what it means to have the Spirit of God in our lives and in our church. As often happens, our, our knowledge and understanding of Spirit it either leans towards license and worldliness or control and legalism. It is very difficult for us as people to live a balanced life. The life that God, this is what God means by his word. This is how he wants us to live. And we're either here or we're here. 
because of unscriptural teachings and practices that misrepresent the spirit, we can either throw it all out and declare that it isn't for today and therefore deny the spirit's purpose in our lives, or we can make it so about us that it becomes a demonstration of fanatical emotionalism simply for the sake of our entertainment and forgetting what we want from God. The gift of the Spirit is exactly that. It's a gift. It's a gift of a relationship with God in the person of His Spirit. Don't expect to fully understand this because it's truly not understandable. We are unable to fully know and understand one God who reveals himself to us in three persons. We know God as Father, as Son, as Holy Spirit. There are places in the scriptures where we see all three, such as Jesus praying to the Father while full of joy in the Spirit in Luke chapter 10. There are mysteries that are just beyond our human comprehension. If we could understand everything about God, then he wouldn't be a very big God. He's beyond us. Sometimes we just have to believe and not necessarily understand. And that brings us to Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. Pentecost was already a Jewish holiday. It's actually a feast day. Judaism celebrates three major feasts, and God instituted these feasts to point to the Messiah, to Jesus, in the same way that all scripture does. First, we have the Feast of Passover, a day to give thanks for the Jews' release, Israel's release from slavery to Egypt. This feast was fulfilled in the crucifixion of Jesus. Jesus, the Lamb of God, who released us from our slavery to sin and the penalty of death. The second feast is the Feast of First Fruits, celebrated 50 days after Passover. It's called Pentecost, a day to give thanks for the reaping of the first harvest of the new crops. It's also a day when Israel gave thanks for the birth of their nation, a people called to God. This was instituted initially at Mount Sinai when they received the law, the Ten Commandments. This feast was fulfilled when the Holy Spirit came and the church was born and the first harvest of God's people was reaped. Third was the Feast of Tabernacles. It's a a feast of thanks for the final harvest of the season and a celebration 
of the end of Israel's wandering in the desert and entrance into the promised land. This feast has not yet been fulfilled, but it will be when Jesus returns and takes us to the land promised to us, a new heaven and new earth. God gave us his spirit for a reason, for a purpose, and it's his purpose. His purpose is to advance his kingdom, and we're to be advancing his kingdom until he comes again. That's the work that we're called to. In John chapter 14, verses 15 to 17, it says, If you love me, this is Jesus speaking, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And then in John chapter 16, verses 12 to 14, Jesus said, I have much more to say to you, much more, much more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. God gives you his spirit so that you can be like him, look like him, reflect him to those whom you come in contact with so that you can know him. When we share the gospel, the good news that eternal life comes through faith and repentance in Jesus, those are just words without the spirit. They're just words. But when we are filled with the Spirit, then we speak the word with authority and demonstrate its power by signs and wonders and miracles. Pentecost is about, giving, about Jesus giving us the authority that the Father gave him so that we might continue his work here on this earth. And like the wind, we are not in control of it. It does what it is commanded to do by God. It does what it's commanded to do by God in us. And it does what it's commanded to do through us. Like the wind, we cannot see it, but we can see its power. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 and 8, As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. This is what we're called to do. And Paul wrote in Romans 15, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully promised the, God, 
proclaimed, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. We have been given the spirit so that we can do the work of God, not to just have a cool experience at church or at a gathering. We tend to get caught up in ourselves, our needs, our desires, our experiences, but it's not about that. It's about the lost. It's about the lost. It's about God's love for the lost. And we're to have the same love for the lost that the Father has. When I preach the gospel and then heal a sick person, or prophesy into them, or speak in another tongue, or perhaps even raise someone from the dead, I am demonstrating that God is real, and many who witness that will believe. Unfortunately, many who operate in the power of the Spirit never consider leaving the church to do so. The Spirit and their, and their spiritual giftedness is simply shared among believers. Yes, the Spirit has been given to grow the believer into Christ-likeness, but also to bring the unbeliever to Christ. We often pursue the former and neglect the latter. Sometimes we don't even pursue Christ-likeness, but simply see the Spirit as a source of neat tricks and emotionalism, and we gain affirmation and get attention. We make it about us. The Spirit both leads us in life and godliness and demonstrates the kingdom of God to the unbeliever. This is the work we're called to. God equips us for it through his Spirit. Last week I taught about false teachers. And this week as I prepared, I started getting into a, an internet frenzy as I was looking up quotes from godly men and women regarding the Holy Spirit. They are from different time periods. They have different denominational beliefs, various points of view, but all are widely accepted teachers. You will probably recognize some of them. Some of them you won't. I hope that I don't overwhelm you with all the quotes. Sit back and enjoy them. I included so many because different quotes are going to speak to different people. If I just picked the ones that applied or really spoke to me, I would have had three or four or six or something. But we're all in different places. And we're all called to different things. You know, at Pentecost, after the Spirit came, Peter went out and preached, and many were saved. But many received the gift at Pentecost. What were the others doing? They weren't just waiting for Peter to get done speaking so it was their turn. They didn't compete against him. They were all using their individual gifts. Peter was called to speak. He's the one we hear about. But I'm quite sure that the whole body of believers was at work using the gifts that they were given in the way that they were given them. Amen. So Charles Spurgeon, he wrote, 
Without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are as ships without wind. We are useless. Corey Tenboom wrote, Trying to do the Lord's work in your own strength is a most confusing, exhausting, and tedious of all work. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then the ministry of Jesus just flows out of you. Hmm. Jack Hayford wrote, God gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit, yet when the Spirit comes, he is loaded with packages. He desires to release much more in us and through us than we could ever imagine. These gifts are given for delivery, not for accumulation. We receive them to pass them on to others. Hmm. The gifts are not for accumulation. They're given to us to pass them on. Dwight L. Moody wrote, The work of the Spirit is to impart life, to implant hope, to give liberty, to testify of Christ, to guide us in all truth, to teach us all things, to comfort the believer, and to convict the world of sin. It's the Spirit's job to convict the world of sin. Sometimes we make it our job to convict the world of sin. Or our neighbor, or our coworker, or our spouse. <laughs> it's the Spirit's job to convict of sin. St. Basil said, Every divine action begins from the Father, proceeds through the Son, and is completed in the Holy Spirit. R.A. Torrey said, If we think of the Holy Spirit only as an impersonal power or influence, then our thought will constantly be, How can I get hold of and use the Holy Spirit? But if we think of Him in the biblical way, as a divine person, infinitely wise, infinitely holy, infinitely tender, that our thought will constantly be, how can the Holy Spirit get hold of and use me? Oswald J. Smith said, let me say that it is not a question of us getting more of the Holy Spirit, but rather of the Holy Spirit getting more of us. A.W. Tozer wrote, Religion can reform a person's life, but it can never transform him. Only the Holy Spirit can transform. Smith Wigglesworth wrote, We must be careful not to choose, but to let God's Holy Spirit manage our lives, not to smooth down and explain away but to stir up the gift and allow God's Spirit to disturb us and disturb us and disturb us until we yield and yield and yield and the possibility in God's mind for us becomes an established fact in our lives with the rivers in evidence meeting the need of a dying world. A.W. Tozer wrote, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. Oh, 
if the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. Ouch. We do a lot in our own strength. Dwight L. Moody wrote, I firmly believe that the moment our hearts are emptied of pride and selfishness and ambition and self-seeking and everything that is contrary to God's law, the Holy Ghost will come and fill every corner of our hearts. But we are, if we are full of pride and conceit and ambition and self-seeking and pleasure and the world, there is no room for the Spirit of God. And I believe many a man is praying to God to fill him when he is fill, full already with something else. Charles Stanley wrote, God will never direct us to be prideful, arrogant, and unforgiving, immoral, or slothful, or full of fear. We step into these things because we are insensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit within us. We need to take time to examine us ourselves. What am I full of? What's going on in my life, in my thought life? Is it God? And if it's not, I need to get rid of it so that God can fill me. Billy Graham wrote, If you know Christ, you don't need to beg for the Holy Spirit to come into your life. He is already there, whether you feel his presence or not. Don't confuse the Holy Spirit with an emotional feeling or a particular type of spiritual experience. The word says, when we get saved, the Spirit comes and dwells in us. That's truth. A.W. Tozer wrote, When the Holy Spirit is in full control of our lives, he will expect our obedience to the written word of God. But it is part of our human problem that we would like to be full of the Spirit and yet go on and do as we please. Hmm. Carl Barth wrote, When we are at our wit's end for an answer, then the Holy Spirit can give us an answer. But how can he give us an answer when we are still well supplied with all sorts of answers of our own? There's a theme here. We need to be emptied of our own ways, our own thoughts. We need to be broken down, emptied out, so that God can fill us. It takes work. It takes intentionality. It won't just happen. T.D. Jakes wrote, One of the great healing balms of the Holy Spirit is forgiveness. To forgive is to break the link between you and your past. How hard it is for us to forgive. How hard. And yet God forgave us everything. Everything. 
sins we don't even know that we committed, and he forgave them. And we're called to forgive. And as we forgive, he writes, as we forgive, it breaks the link between you and your past. And how often we want to be free of that past. We look back and we're like, we don't want to be remembered that way. That's not who I am anymore. He says, forgive. Forgive. To forgive as Jesus forgave us. David Platt writes, The church I lead could have the least gifted people, the least talented people, the fewest leaders and the least money, and this church, under the power of the Holy Spirit, could still shake the nations for his glory. Amen. Amen. We are a small church. And I am grateful for each one of you that's here. And I know Pastor Susan is as well. And don't be discouraged by the few numbers. Mm -hmm. Don't be discouraged. God can still, and he will, do great things through people that are submitted to him. Billy Graham writes, A life touched by the Holy Spirit will tolerate sin no longer. And Joyce Meyer writes, Many people feel so pressured by the expectations of others that it causes them to be frustrated, miserable, and confused about what they should do. But there is a way to live a simple, joy-filled, peaceful life. And the key is learning how to be led by the Holy Spirit, not not the traditions or expectations of man. Billy Graham said, For me, the best time to pray is the very moment a tense situation or an unspiritual attitude overtakes me. God, the Holy Spirit, is always there, ready to help me gain victory in the spiritual battles I face, big or small. If that's a good word for Billy Graham... That's a good word for us. Jill Briscoe said, You may have no family, no food, no clothes, no future, no spouse, no health, or no children, yet be rich beyond your wildest dreams because you have the Holy Spirit in your life. It's all that we need. All that we need. Jim Cimbalo said, God nowhere asks anyone to have a large church. He only calls us to do his work, proclaiming his word to people he loves under anointing power of the Holy Spirit to produce results that only he can bring about. Often we share our faith or don't share our faith because we feel this pressure that we have to save people. But that's not what the word calls us to do. The word calls us to share the gospel. And we take this call to go out and preach the word to the lost. And we make it this burden. I have to. 
It's like, I was there. I have to. And I wore it as a burden. And I did it out of obedience. And I saw a few results. But when God convicted me that I wasn't sharing the word in love, and I turned and I confessed that and I repented of that, and I asked for his love for the lost, everything started to change quickly. And I saw fruit. I saw fruit. And people even shared to me, I can tell that you care and you love me. And I thought, I do? I do? Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, I prayed for that. But they saw it before I felt it. So don't wait for a feeling. Let God reveal the work that he's doing in you. A.W. Tozer said, When we have the Holy Spirit, we have all that is needed to be all that God desires us to be. All that we need. All that we need to be all that he calls us to be. And Arthur Wallace, he said, The crowning blessing of a true visitation of the Holy Spirit is a mighty harvest for the kingdom of God. I love to read about the great revivals in history. And they all manifested in different ways through different people. But one thing that always happened is there were great numbers brought into the kingdom. People confessing their sin, repenting, putting their faith in Jesus, surrendering their lives to Jesus as Lord and Savior. It's the mark of every revival. Many were added to the church. We saw it in the first Pentecost sermon from Peter. And since then, many added to the church. Amy Semple McPherson wrote, What is my task? First of all, my task is to be pleasing to Christ, to be empty of self and filled with himself, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to be led by Holy Spirit. To be empty of self and filled with himself. That's our call. Rick Joyner wrote, The Holy Spirit is not the doer, but the helper. He will not do it without us, but if we engage, he will help us with what we need to make it happen. He's not the doer. He's the helper. Rod Parsley wrote this, The baptism of the Spirit will do for you what a phone booth did for Clark Kent. It will change you into a different being. Amen. Hmm. And Mark Batterson wrote, In my experience, take the Holy Spirit out of the equation of your life, and it spells boring. Add it to the equation of your life, and you never know where you are going to go, what you are going to do, or who you are going to meet. That may seem scary. You will never regret it. You will never regret it. Jack Deere said, The religious spirit, it's demonic. 
and it attempts to substitute a demonic power or a fleshly power for the power of the Holy Spirit. And the religious spirit is more concerned with what we look like than what we really are. J.I. Packer said, the Holy Spirit's main ministry is not to give thrills, but to create in us Christ-like character. And lastly, Reinhard Bonnke said, the less Holy Spirit we have, the more cake and coffee we need to keep the church going. Ouch. I think we can have both. I think we can have both. <laughs> but if we can't, we want the Spirit. Amen, we, we want the Spirit. <laughs> the Lord taught me years ago not to compare myself to others. To not compare myself to how others were operating in the gifts. God the Father is personal. Jesus is personal. It makes sense. The Holy Spirit is personal as well. We can seek the gifts. We can ask for them. But the Spirit gives them as he pleases. And that's because they are for the Father's purposes, not ours. The word tells us that every believer receives at least one gift of the Spirit. Some receive more than one. The Spirit determines that. That is the Spirit's work in us. We can come to him. We can say, Lord, I want more. And he will show us what needs to go so that he can fill us. But things will have to die. Things will have to be laid down. Things will have to be surrendered. It will be worth it. It will be worth it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 4, we read this. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, and to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Look closely at verses 5 and 6, or 4, 5, and 6. 
There are different kinds of gifts. The same Spirit distributes them. He, he distributes different gifts so that we can carry out the work that he calls us to. When we seek or ask for more gifts, we are also asking for more work, a new assignment, a deeper walk. The purpose of the gifts is to equip, not to entertain, not to give you status. It's to equip. It's to equip for a purpose. Different kinds of gifts, different kinds of service. It's the same Lord. We are called to service and work. As, just as we are adop- adopted as sons and daughters, we are brought into the family business. The family business is the kingdom of God. He equips us for all that he calls us to. And our calls are all different. Don't let someone tell you that you don't have the Spirit because you don't look or operate like they do. Don't let someone tell you that. God made you unique. He made you for a purpose, His purpose. Walk. Walk in that. Walk in your calling. And walk in your calling for His glory and not yours. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as hard as it was for the disciples to see you leave this earth, I am quite sure that they rejoiced after your spirit came. And they spent 50 days waiting waiting and praying as you instructed them to. Lord Jesus, we don't like to wait. We don't like to prepare. We just want it. But as you called the disciples to wait and to prepare, I believe you call us to do the same thing. And Lord, there are things that we need to lay down. There are things that we need to empty ourselves of so that we can be filled. Show us right now, Holy Spirit, speak to each person sitting in this room, watching on Facebook, speak to us and show us what we need to empty out that we could be filled for your purposes. We thank you, we praise you that you gave us your spirit Let us be obedient. Let us be about your work. Let us do it in joy. We thank you. We praise you for the blessing that this is. It is not a burden. It is a blessing. We thank you for how you work in us, around us, and through us. For your glory. Amen. Thank you for listening. Sharing Life Ministries is located at the Life Center, 48 West 2nd Avenue, Ridgely, West Virginia, or follow us on Facebook.